You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hi, gang. Hello, Riverdale gang. Welcome to the Riverdale gang, as Ryan just said, um, the critical commentary watch-along podcast of Riverdale the show. We're recorded on unceded Musqueam, Tsleil-Waututh, and Squamish territory. Welcome. Uh, we are your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Chloe. And uh, thank you for joining us once again for some Dark Sugar Trash television. Dark Sugar Trash. And perhaps this week, um, if you so choose, some emotional processing. Yeah. Hi. Hi. So, obviously, we lost uh, a member of the show. This Not our show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Riverdale lost a member of its show this week, their mm-hmm. show. Um, Luke Perry, he was 52 years old. He had a stroke about four days before he died and finally passed on Monday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and we're, uh, Ryan and I were discussing, and we're going to hold um, big emotional talks about celebrity grief until the end of the episode. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think so. That, I think that's good. That way anyone who doesn't wish to, uh, to stay for that conversation can um, enjoy their sugar. Um, I think we'll be we'll be talking about and noticing on a technical level um, this actor's presence in the next few episodes, especially. Yeah. Um, but we will try to keep it contained to more technical discussion and plot some plot analysis. Yeah. Um, for the for our current purposes. So yeah. thanks for uh, thanks for being here with us. Yeah, and obviously, just to touch on it quickly, we are, of course, sad, and we send our condolences to anyone that knew him. Mm-hmm. So, how'd you feel about this episode this week, Ryan? I liked it. Um, it was weird, but it knew it was weird. I felt like this was sort of a cracked out, um, aware of its own hyperbole kind of an episode. If that makes sense. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, okay. that was my read. Um, a lot of the music stings... Gave me a playful attitude. Um, uh, we know we're we know we're a bit ridiculous, kind of a kind of a vibe, um, and yeah, I I enjoyed it. I was on for the ride, and I was pleasantly surprised how many disparate genre components came together to become actual like show details. Oh, that's um, interesting. There were things introduced, <laughs> like last episode, for example, that I didn't expect to make sense and fit and be used that were um that were very well i think this episode that was my impression that's interesting i definitely also noticed the musical cues in this or the well Mm -hmm. which is i'm sorry which is non-diegetic and which is diegetic uh in in world diegetic so uh, diegetic is is a a a jargon term to mean um in world music world that music that is heard by the characters Whereas non-diagenic music is heard by the audience, right? Um, but does not exist in the fictional world. Yes. So the yeah. so the non-diagenic sound in this episode, I thought was really interesting. Yes, I thought they I, made yes. some cool choices. Um, the the thing that I liked, but was also disappointed by, mm-hmm. uh, was the kid Ricky. Yeah. Um, like a, a good creepy child will keep me up at night, <laughs> and this show periodically has done something creepy where I've been like, woo. And I've gotten a little, like, a good little, like, frisson. And um, uh, I thought there was an opportunity with this character that they almost took. Like, there mm-hmm. is, there's, a, there's some creepy choir when, I'll point it out when we get there, when mm-hmm. you first see his picture. And yeah. um, That first shot of him holding the fl- open flame 
below his face is like... Oh, yeah, I the, didn't really clock that, but you're right. Yeah. There's no creepier way to light someone. Mm-hmm. That's true, you're right. I did not clock that at all. Hiding in a closet, holding an open flame below your face. It's oh. true. It's true. Um, it, There's a certain tone that uh, CW, that this, this, this one-hour show often gets, I find, um, when they bring these child characters in. Um, I think logistically, these are often one-shot characters, maybe two-episode characters, but, um, like, I remember Smallville doing this, where they have a, a, a young child actor in for one episode. Um, they're often canon-suggested, but not, like, a straight rip of a character. Hmm. Um, my, my theory on this, this is, this is very spitballing, but I, um, I, I suspect some of the inconsistency of, uh, child actors of of casting maybe prevents these legacy writing things from necessarily giving a an in world name or a, a a terribly important plot to say a one off guest star child. Oh, um, I see. So your theory is that they need like a really unique child actor to make that make that worth keeping kind of a thing. I mean, in 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 my limited experience working with kids, uh. I feel like it's very, very hit or miss, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. child actors Fair are enough. generally just con- not as technically consistent as yeah. trained adult actors, and so it's hit or miss. Or if this character is going to work, it is hit or miss if this child will be um, will be able or yeah. willing to continue. And doesn't involved. really deserve that pressure either. Like exactly. it's, it's a very responsible choice, really, to not give a child a plot that's going to continue for four seasons. <laughs> exactly. Like Ricky could drop off the face of the earth, and it would be fine. Um, I feel like they give themselves that out. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I I would also believe his character would could reappear, yeah. and I'd be interested after this introduction. Yeah. Um, I took it as a one off episode, but I think there's room intentionally left open. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I yeah, I appreciate I appreciate the nod at the darkness and kind of wish there had been a little more. So, mm. I, I have to say I don't think this is intentional, but every time mm-hmm. I see whatever is hanging from the ceiling of the gargoyle lair, yeah. I think it's doll parts. <laughs> I think, I'm not sure, but I I think of the scene in um Oh, for heaven's sakes. I think of the scene in... Doll part movies. Doll part movies. No, no, doll no, no, part no, 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 no. They're bodies. <laughs> I think of a scene with bodies in a spaceship. Serenity? Yes. Serenity. No, it's not Serenity. It's an episode of Firefly. Firefly. Right, right, right. right. The it's one of my favorite shows. Yeah. The scene where they, they go onto the what they think is an abandoned spaceship and they find that the Reavers have hung the entire ship from the ceiling. That seems like the kind of thing these kids would reference. Yeah, While maybe. hanging their, their Dungeons and Dragons decor. It's possible, but every time I see it, I notice that the camera doesn't focus on them, and I think mm. it's because it might be a little too dark for the CW, but I appreciate the nod at the darkness. Uh, I appreciate that. As if teenagers these days are watching Firefly. That's a little pipe dream I wrote for myself as an old man. I I think it's possible. Firefly has aged very well, in my opinion. I mean, I... like. It got, I, by the way, I got the stamp of approval from... Um, uh, Inara's character got the stamp of approval from a pal of mine who's a sex worker. Excellent. Apparently the, uh, the uh, um, anyway. Inara's fi- representation of sex yes. work is groundbreaking. It's, I'm, it's I'm, groundbreaking. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, also, on that note, um, same person really likes Penelope. I mean, I love that Penelope exists. 
Yeah, um, I love I, I, so exists. I was like, but but the character is an unforgettable villain because she sent her child to gay conversion therapy, and yes. my friend was like, she's a complex character. It's fine, <laughs> basically. Good feedback from yeah. someone uh, someone who is a, is a sex worker, and yeah. uh, we need more more Penelopes and more less horrible Penelopes. Yes, <clears throat> range. Range, <laughs> range is always good. Okay. Anyway, shall we shall we jump in? We could. I or do you have more? I, no, I I thought I did, but I feel like no. I I kind of want to watch it. All right, let's watch it. It'll all let's come back it. to me as we're going. Yeah. All right, gang. You got your Netflix synced up, or your was it PVR recording thing? I don't own a television anymore. Well, you kind of do. <laughs> I own a it's computer not, screen. That's true, you do own a computer screen. <laughs> Feels like a television. I, I, I can tell we're a generation that, like, doesn't own televisions because I went to try and buy a television monitor recently <laughs> at a thrift store, and I couldn't tell the difference between a computer screen and a television. I had to, like, look at the bottom, look for the HD thing, mm-hmm. and I even went up and asked the thrift store person, who I think was my age but may have been a little bit older, and she was like, it says HD on it. It's a, it's a television. And I was like, hey, I don't know. I don't know anything and then i fixed my television at home and didn't need it so it's fine excellent um on a totally separate note if you are in vancouver today it is bonkers out there (laughs) this um this uh i think we will air this episode the same day we're recording it yeah theoretically yeah um, it is not safe to drive. Slush, are... slush, 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 No, it's slush. not slush. That stuff that came out of the sky was like hail. Oh, hey. And it has solidified on all the roads. Climate change is fun. I mean, it's also just icy. Just please yeah. be careful. I mean, this I is, made this it. Is, this like, is the I'm second fine. time I've seen hail this week, which is unusual. I remember, I remember snow in March when I was growing up. Snow in March is a thing. Hail. Is yeah. a different thing. Hail is um, caused by a very particular type of um, of cloud formation, um, a, a very very tall type of storm cloud formation. That, Interesting. Um, I didn't know that. <laughs> it's it's sort of a high energy, violent turnover um, weather formation. Um, it's it's not like it it's it's not uncommon on the prairies where we get lots of quick summer summer storm turnovers quick uh temperature short temperature changes um it's less common on the coast i believe um, i mean like i like feel like hail is i don't know i like i remember hail moments growing up and i would yeah. always be excited excited that it was like going to be snow and then it wasn't it was just ice from the sky yeah it was the lying <laughs> ice that hurt and stung your skin mm-hmm. if you didn't get inside quickly it's true all yeah. right anyway enough about weather let's watch firewalk with me i want to know the reference i don't get it either i like it's 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 about the the firewalk that kevin takes i'm guessing but unless there's Oh, unless it's a biblical reference, because there's, like, there's walk with me, like, like, that hymn. Oh, that's abide with me. Yeah, I, I, like. I'm stretching. I'm I, I watched the community episode about Dungeons and Dragons the other day, so all I can hear is, I walk with them. To quote from the episode. Cool. Yeah. I've never seen a single episode of Community. One of these days, we'll make another podcast or something for an but excuse. The thing is, like, do I have like? It's one, of, it's, it's one of those things where like you could be staring at Chris Pratt and be annoyed, uh-huh. but also staring at Donald Glover and then be happy. Chris right? Pratt isn't in Community, isn't he? Joe What's McHale he? is in Community. Isn't Chris Pratt in a show like that though? Chris Pratt was in Everwood. I have no idea. Had what nothing. Um. Is Chris Pratt the guy who's in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and has now ruined it for me because he hates the gays? 
I mean, he doesn't hate the gays. In my, I don't think he hates the gays. I think he's just really ignorant to the fact that his church hates the gays. Oh, I think he actively like believes. I th- like there was a, a an interview I saw with him where he was talking about being in in the West Village in in Hollywood, which is mm. like the gay village mm-hmm. in Hollywood for anyone who doesn't know that fact. Mm-hmm. And he just like he just was doing that. I'm trying to be cool, but really I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, okay, thing. okay, okay. Yep, my benefit of the doubt for the 40-something-year-old white Christian man from the Midwest who stumbled into Hollywood-leading roles. Like, what I remember of Chris Pat, first of all, is a high school crush from CW shows. Oh, but really? a, a little, like oh, a minor no. one. Not a not a huge disappointment one. Okay. Just a, you cute. But mm-hmm. um, I remember interviews of, of him saying, like, yeah, I was like, just a bum around Hollywood auditioning, and I, like, straight up lived on a beach for a while, and just, like, he stumbled derpily into a leading man role. Like, yeah. it would be unsurprising if no one has ever challenged a worldview. I guess that's I would be true. unsurprised by that. I guess that's true. Maybe this is his opportunity to have his worldview challenged. <laughs> Here's hoping. Okay, I got one more before we get in. I got one more. I got one more. Lay it on me. Speaking of having worldviews challenged, yeah. um, have you seen the Terry Crews Twitter controversy of the, I, of the week? Uh, I just... I. Every time I try to admire someone, they fail me. Yes. That's how I feel. Yes. <laughs> but maybe that's just how I should live my life. Here's the here's the important takeaway for me. Yeah, tell me. Um, First of all, fill fill our viewers in. Viewers. Okay, so um, Terry Crews. Uh, I have long enjoyed his performance work. He is a football player turned actor, turned comedian, um, turned activist. Uh, he has been a very important male identified voice in the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been a very staunch ally on many issues before. Um, but he showed a blind spot a lot this week and doubled down on it. Um, he, in a, in a conversation about um, fatherhood, uh, single parenting, um, he displayed a real uh, gender binary bias uh, along the children should prob- are deprived if they do not have two parents kind of a perspective. Yeah. Um, this was made under the, you know, in a, in a complicated discussion uh, as a... Uh, a black father of adopted children who grew up with a single mother. Like, that's that's a, a perspective I really yeah. want to make sure we mm-hmm. are noticing, um, and I understand where that limited view, that the, the limits on his view that led to blind spots around uh, gender and the, the gay and LGBTQ community came from. Um, so... Then he screwed up by doubling down and getting angry that people were calling him out for for gender essentialism. Yeah. But then yesterday, there's a tweet saying, hey, Steph Beats sat me down and talked about why this is hurtful. Who's Steph Beats? Um, Rosa Diaz. Oh, cool. Yeah. Who is herself a bisexual woman uh, who's had a major plot line coming out on the show this yeah. year. Uh, last year? Recently. Last year. Um... Mm-hmm. This is, like, 101 calling in your people. This is a tight-knit crew. This is a a man who has given, given me good grounds to give him a benefit. Chris Pratt, yeah. like, he's not earned that from me, other yeah. than being attractive. Terry Crews has done the work. And then, a few days after screwing up, um, apologized after a conversation with a person with a lived experience in his community, in his network, 
who helped him <laughs> understand where the conflict was. Yeah. Um, I'm like, to me personally, he has he has burned up the goodwill, but I'm I'm still enjoying Terry Crews. Like, That's interesting. Th- this is this is his one screw up for me. I am yeah. I am now going to side I am hard on future things because he has now had a a a, a, a long conversation about this subject. Um, but I am not, um, as this discussion was, he is not to me canceled. No. That's where I'm I, at. I have mixed feelings about cancel culture, to be mm. honest. Like, I, there are some people who, like, like, Drake is canceled. Like, sorry. Yeah. 100%. Drake is 100% Johnny Depp Art, is canceled. R. Kelly is so canceled, I can't even. <laughs> All of that. Like, Did you see his freakout, P.S.? No, I, I don't was, even want to touch I, it. Okay, let's not touch it. No, like, we, we can touch it. I don't personally care to watch the man speak, is what I mean. Well, I, so I was in the ER yesterday, I'm fine, and the television was on in the ER to keep mm-hmm. people entertained. And um, he tried to, he was in a he was in an interview and he just lost it and started crying and stood up and started screaming at his interviewer and like i'm i'm being assassinated and blah 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 anyway he's an Mm -hmm. ass at anyway sorry i'm probably a pedophile rapist who can go to jail goodbye (laughs) um so a quick note about terry cruz um Mm -hmm. i he is definitely not canceled for me Mm -hmm. because we just had an opportunity to see like transformative justice light happen Mm -hmm. on twitter Mm -hmm. basically like this dude said a dumb thing Mm mm-hmm and I also he think didn't it's... immediately correct himself. That's very important. He did not. He doubled down. Yeah, and he made a mistake. I so, would say. So here's, but here's this, here's this, um, here's this other layer to this particular situation, though. Here's someone who grew up as a young man, mm-hmm. potentially wanting a father figure, mm-hmm. you know, and not having one. Um, yeah. And I think, I like, I don't think, I don't think you can be faulted for longing for that. I, I think the problem, I th- I agree mm-hmm, with you mm-hmm. that there is a generalization that he made that is incorrect mm-hmm. and unfair. And as someone who's considered being a single parent myself and who has thought about the problem of, potentially the problem of me not being able to provide a male role model for my son, mm-hmm. if I have one, um, I see gender, I think, very differently than Terry Crews, but... Um, uh, that's that's a concern for mm-hmm. me. That's something I thought a lot about. My father um, was the child of divorced parents and, a, like, kind of had a single mom with periodic, like, the, the way the custody worked, he saw his dad, like, a few times a year, mm-hmm. basically. And, like, has a very good relationship with him, but I do... I do, like, I remember one time when I, the reason I'm giving the context for it is I'm trying to give my biases when I, when I mm-hmm. encounter this conversation. Yep. Not trying to make a show about me. Sorry. Um, uh, and one time my dad, I mentioned to my dad that I was thinking about single parenthood and he said, I wouldn't want that for you. You, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think people who are raised by a single parent who didn't choose it mm-hmm. are very, are very sensitive to, um, all the, the barriers, yeah. the challenges, but the, also, the but also the benefits of of two adults, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that. I understand that it's not an easy choice. I understand that. Um, I think the fact that I would be expecting it and planning for it and chose it would make make a big difference personally. Yeah, and I would have an opportunity to plan um, role models for um, my kids that aren't me. Mm-hmm. But um, but listen to what I've just said though. Here's a queer person saying, like speaking of single parenthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and saying, 
I'm choosing, there, there's an intentional choice here, which is possibly the difference between me and Terry Crews' mom. I don't know. I don't know anything about her, and I don't want to speculate about his personal life. Mm-hmm. But I guess my point is that two things can be true. Um, queer parents can offer their children everything, and also young men can want a father figure. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's... Like, two things can be true. <laughs> yeah, I mean... And, like, but we, like, if we have empathy, we have room for both of these lived experiences. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm not saying that Terry Crews is not at fault for um, not checking himself. I'm not saying that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's wonderful that he had this conversation... Was it Steph? Steph Beats. This conversation with Steph Beats and was open and public about it. Yeah. Um, and that she, she gifted him that emotional labor. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh... I'm interested to see what his journey is with this topic moving forward. I'm, yeah. Same. Yeah. I'm not willing to cancel him. Yeah. A, a split between um, lived experiences leading to a big blind spot that yeah. hopefully will be less blind. Mm-hmm. Thank you for indulging me on that tangent, Chloe. Before, no problem. As we, as we have our Netflix waiting, as y'all had your Netflix waiting. <laughs> yeah. I'm so, I'm, like, evidently they're, like, we do have listeners, so evidently y'all, like, don't mind that we go off on these pop culture tangents. I genuinely... If you figured out how to skip over us by now, yeah, please, maybe that's I, like, it is. great. Yeah. I genuinely do think it's all related, um, and yeah. um, the reason I feel that way is we are watching a television show with, um, that is basically a litmus test in a lot of, <laughs> like, I, I really mean that. Like, yeah. I, I think most popular television is, like not tone deaf Mm -hmm. you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. and i mean sometimes it is (laughs) sometimes it is it's zeitgeist reflective i do think it's zeitgeist reflective and one of the reasons i feel that we go off on canadian politics tangents is that this show is shot on land that is contentious yes that is a fact and i think i do think it's all related I really do also i will i will be transparent that that's just straight up the context i bring to understanding weird teenage dramas is sometimes I just am going to unpack things with the metaphors of the Canadian federal justice system or something. Yeah. (laughs) So thanks. Netflix now? Let's Netflix. Let's Netflix now. Do I do this? Uh, yeah. Press the, press the button and then do the badoom this time. Chloe, we're sitting in opposite positions today. Okay. Badoom. There we go. And now I sing the wah 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 wah. Wow, that was fun. <laughs> so, I I have a theory about this equipment that yeah. gets stolen from the chemistry lab later in this episode. Mm-hmm. I um I'm interested. I'm surprised and delighted that we are on episode three of Cheryl and Tony's plot, and we're still paying attention to them. Yeah. Like, wow. Um, I loved the Hiram and um, and Mama Jones, Mrs. Jones, uh, Gina Gershon dynamic with Veronica this episode. It was something truly fresh that I didn't expect after the stakes of the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. How, like, how we went from murder to goofy gambling plot and these, like, yeah. lotsies of hidden machines... Um, yeah. It's, yeah, is weird, is good. Yeah. Um, I also like that we're finally digging into the farm a little bit more. Like, we've kind yeah. of been dancing around the edges, and now we're seeing, like, Bunsen burners and fire and... Yep. 
Oh man, I love Betty's like cousin Cheryl solution to this. Yeah. Show that blossom blood, girl. Yeah, I love that they cut Hal out of the photo. That's so. I mean, like, mm-hmm. of course. But, like, still, I think it's really delightful. The um, the the Stepfording. Oh my god, up. Nightmare on Elm Street. This has been a huge reference to Nightmare on Elm Street. They live on Elm Street. Oh. Oh my god. We're having this realization yeah. live with Alice Smith. Alice Smith. That's. Yeah. That's where the Saxer in surreal reference is living. Yeah! I love the Wonder Bread on the table. That's very appropriate. I uh, I was never a slasher movie person. Yeah. So this yeah, is, this is a, a blind spot in my oeuvre. Oeuvre? What's in my range? <laughs> um, man, Betty is just full-on sabotage mode. Uh, yep, but she's um, doing it Alice mean- style. Like, she's yeah. out Alicing Alice. I know, it's so great! Mm-hmm. Ah, it's really fun. Yeah. I, I liked what Betty's character did this this episode. In every way. Yes. Like, I loved these two women having this intense social, like, war, going to war with each other in such um, clever ways like across the domain of their existence together yeah um i i love that his name's mo first of all that's like what every boxing hall owner <laughs> slash manager is named that's yep. so charming it's a it's a rule he's bald um he's got chest hair like he's like the, the, this is a great piece of casting for this minor actor like it's just <laughs> awesome um i'm interested to see like what they end up... Oh, this was kind of a fun scene. Yep. The cult kids and the gang kids also being the student council kids and the LGBTQ kids. Like, yeah. what a great intersection. Like, this is... Like, I also, like, the absurdity of this high school is just, like, contained <laughs> in this classroom for a hot second. There's, a there's like, a legit cult. Yep. And then two gangs, one of which is, like trying to get young men to like into college kind of but they're also dealing with people in their gang who are like drug addicts I mean, they're trying to get young men and, into and, college by selling drugs yes and then we've also got like man that girl is cool with yep. that with that popping whoever that um, unnamed yeah. pretty poison give her some who, lines yeah need give her some lines um uh, and I love that Tony and, and Jughead are like, oh my god, like, yep. no one knows how to gang right now except us. <laughs> I love that these two end up negotiating with Weatherby. I will say, I have no idea who this Principal Weatherby is right now. Yeah. I'm a little confused by his character. I feel like he has um, become whatever authority figure is needed without being a logical human. And that's unfortunate, because I always liked Weatherby and his dynamic with the kids in the comic. Um, yeah. I, I would like whether to be to be a little more consistent, please show if we're putting in requests. Yeah. If we're putting, yeah. Can we also give them like a better gang name? The pretty poison. Can they just be the poisons? Can they be the something? Anything. Um, remember when, when Weatherby was like, hey, absolutely no zero tolerance on any gang activity, and now he's literally, yeah. literally negotiating with two gang leaders for a de-escalation. Yeah. Giving, with no ground. It's, what? Okay, Veronica, for the last goddamn time, legal emancipation, <laughs> take your family to court. You are still a minor. Mm-hmm. You will not go to prison. I mean, no, Hire like Mary Andrews. 
Real talk, though, she's so going to prison in real world. Is she, though? This this woman is running a illegal gambling hall. She's under 21. There, um, there are... That, it, that protects no one. I know, but a good lawyer could be like, she had a bad childhood, she was misled... Blah, blah, I mean, blah, the only the only thing that suggests to me Veronica could ever get off is the amount of money that Veronica is worth. Uh, oh, that. I, I, I don't care if you're 16 or 17. I'm pretty confident that if, if federal prosecutors uh, caught you running an illegal gambling den for months with associating with three, uh, three to four gangs financially uh, and hiring them to beat people up like all of those are federal charges veronica would not leave prison veronica would be would be red in orange is the new black if this were i've never seen that show but yes (laughs) she would be the 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 late middle-aged woman running the uh running the cafeteria in the prison because she's a lifer be cute like if both she oh right she's not with archie anymore her and archie in jail together well different different jails but like can visit each other for conjugal visits yeah that's like the only time i've ever liked their relationship and it's like isn't even part of the actual plot (laughs) that fits Um, in the reality of the world yes creepy kid creepy kid yeah creepy kid well done creepy kid good work creepy kid um this child's performance kept me appropriately, like, confused and afraid. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he's so sweet. He's got a sweet face. Mm-hmm. Sweet kid. A really good, like, we're gonna, we're gonna empathize for you. But then they do so much design-wise to make us not trust him. Mm. Despite yeah, just putting this, this charismatic young child in front of us. He's, like, a little bit... Um, he's like he. I remember thinking like he's like a little too innocent, and it turns mm. out there's a reason why. Mm-hmm. It works best in contrast. Yes. Yeah. <sighs> it's also weird. Like there haven't been a lot of children on this show. There's just yeah. been Jelly Bean, really, and she's basically a teenager. That's true. Um, and so it's odd to see these like playing teenagers is like the responsible kind of adult almost adult you're right i just thought it was like kind of a fun it was a fun dynamic i enjoyed it it's true i we haven't seen this before um taking a moment and recognizing that this is the week where we're all very conscious of fred andrew's presence on screen um it was interesting um with that lens to spend much of this episode watching Archie's parenting skills. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. I, whatever, however it worked out, this felt like a, an episode, a good episode in which to be paying attention to that specific detail mm-hmm. at length. Um, yeah, like the way in which he takes in a kid, like this, this Harkens back to how Fred treated Jughead. Yeah. In in a really... <clears throat> even down to their dynamic. Like, the level of respect, the level of offer, the level of, of trust. Mm-hmm. There's, there's just a lot here that feels very, um, very Fred Andrews. Yeah. 
Oh. It was a timely episode. It's a timely episode. Um, uh, Ryan and I did note that we feel like there were probably some Fred Andrew scenes that got cut. Yes. Um, and they probably just couldn't cut the final, the final ep- or the final scene that he's in. Mm-hmm. In this show. Whether that is a matter of yeah. saving footage, reusing footage, whatever, strategically, or simply adjusting the story to land better in the current circumstances, something feels intentional. Or, or maybe that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, there's trouble in Sexy Paradise between these two. Consistent in building trouble over episodes, which gives me so much hope that they're not just having a very special plot episode once, that we're actually... You know, maybe, maybe heard is the wrong word, but that the creative team are also recognizing that they were tokenizing their um, beautiful Cheryl and Tony. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, I like yeah. the Penelope moves that they're having her pull out here. Yeah. I. It's interesting. I'm really glad that after several episodes of Cheryl sort of problem solving through a, a complete hand wave Mm. we see cheryl sort of hit her cognitive limit of the generosity button um with tony and we i feel like we're in a much more realistic relationship now that um is maybe going to acknowledge some of the patronizing aspects of of cheryl's privilege and position in house yeah and the 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 power she wields here Are we going to see Transformative Justice for Cheryl Blossom? Let's find out. Maybe. Um, I'm just going to talk over this plot point moment. This exposition. Yeah, this exposition (laughs) for a sec. Um, I am getting tired of adults in the show taking advantage of the kids. Yep. Um, Mostly for the same reason I got tired of nothing good ever happening in Game of Thrones. Mm. Like... I recognize plot comes from conflict, Mm -hmm. but just the same as good things happening over and over and over and over again, it's tiresome Mm -hmm. to watch the same bad things happen over and over and over again. It is boring. (laughs) Yes. Um, I'm not bored yet, but if Mm -hmm. we get a few more episodes of that, I'm like, there needs to be a breaking point, and I don't know where the breaking point is. Now, I'm hopeful that Ricky could be a breaking point in that the escalation to an actual child performing this, um, there's a different type of horror of a a 25-year-old playing a teenager playing a physical violence Mm -hmm. and an actual child playing physical violence. Yeah. Um, The way other plot points are escalating in this episode um, and the way that the conflict of this episode brings our lead characters together um, gives me hope that this is an intentional pacing choice. Yeah, maybe. Um, I hope so. Um, okay. sorry, I'm distracted by this reading the alchemist lair, blah, 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 G and G. Um, I think Hiram put them up to this. I think Hiram has that equipment. Mm. And he just hasn't told Veronica that he like has figured it out. Now, question then, <clears throat> um, Gladys Jones, are yeah. the gargoyles loyal to her or not? I don't know. Or maybe she has the equipment. I would fully believe she would. She could or would. Yeah. And I fully believe she would happily set up a cooking lab under Jughead's nose. Yeah. Because, yeah, she treats them like kids, as they are. (laughs) 
And part of, like, kidding, parenting your gang child might be hiding the federal crimes from them while they do the state crimes. I don't know. Um, I love how powerless the serpents are here. This Mm -hmm. is great. Um... <clears throat> I also really am charmed by this hyperbolic gang rival. Like, I feel like they've cycled through a number of possible opposing gang leaders, and this guy is the one who, like, yeah, okay, you're yeah. ridiculous enough for me to enjoy you. Yeah. As a rival. By the way, these two actors, I can't remember their names, Sweet Pea, the guy who play, guys who play Sweet Pea and Fangs. Yeah, our wonderful um, elevated extras. Yeah, um... Uh, so this is Veronica with the stuff. Um, mm-hmm. La Bonne Me, pretty sick, right? <laughs> um, so great. Um, this is fun. I like this lean into the speakeasy thing. I don't mm-hmm. care a lot about this trope, to be honest, but I think it's mm. fun the way they're leaning into it. Yeah. Um, thanks yes. and Sweet Pea. Um, <laughs> the scene where, um, Jughead comes upon them mm-hmm. and, um, they've, uh, and, um, tall boys died yep i've kind of been clocking their acting ever since and mm. I, I don't think they're like virtuosos or anything mm-hmm. i but i think that the, these like i think there's leading man material for those two actors they're doing the most with very little yeah like um, that scene where he's like you know something just happened and he taps his the side of his head with the gun kind mm-hmm. of in panic like <laughs> i think like uh i think i think i don't know i think like Good instincts, good business. Yeah, good instincts, good business. Um, I, I, I was impressed. So I, I, I want to see more from them, to be I honest. I often think of how much space cognitively Fangs took up during the end of the Black Hood arc. Mm-hmm. The little um, mm-hmm. fake mm-hmm. out with him and Moose and Kevin mm-hmm. that was never properly focused on. Yeah. But like, I remember how much plot space Fangs seemed to take up. Yeah. Um, he, he acted like a lead character. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally. I think those. I think those dudes have. You should learn more, their names. More range. Than... We'll learn your names for next time, yeah. guys. <laughs> I do know their names because I think I follow them both on Instagram, but I can't mm. remember either of them right now. Hmm? Um, I I don't know what's up with this with Skeet Ulrich's character F. P. Jones right now. Mm. I don't know what's going on. He's pulled in many directions. Yeah, I want. Serving I want many him masters. To, I kind of want him to come down hard on the side of a sheriff. Like I'd kind of be interested in him betraying his serpent past. I, I that'd be fun. I don't believe he'd do it without an external pressure, but I believe FP acting against the kids because of an unknown external pressure would be an excellent device. Yeah. Um, it was an extremely effective choice in season one. Yes, and that's I, true. I think it could. That could be a, a power mechanism that would tie things together nicely, um, and it would unsettle the power dynamics well. Yeah. To have FP become an unknown agent again. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, hi, hi, pops. Hi, pops. Always happy to see you, pops. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Stranger things feels. Yeah, totally. So this this. <laughs> This, like, low, like, did you hear that low chromatic yeah, that wire? Yeah, like, that was theremin fun. kind of a... I think those were voices, but it may, may have been a theremin, that's true. I, I may be wrong. But they were creepy. Whatever that sound was, it was creep. Yeah. We're, we're playing hard. We're overscoring some things here. Like, I liked how this episode overdid a lot of its tropes. Mm-hmm. I, I felt ready. I felt like the show knew how absurd it was this episode. And yeah. stopped apologizing. Yeah. That's interesting. Like, um, this. this. Yeah. Like, this. 
like it's interesting like i wasn't creeped out by this Mm. i don't i don't really know why and i wonder if it's just like the show's gone in so many directions now that mm-hmm. even this is like, oh, Bunsen burners now. Okay, what's next? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great, we're practicing burning um, ourselves. Yep, simple mind over yeah. matter noise. Um. So when this guy sitting next to her drew the kids so fast, I mm. sort of thought maybe they were in on the gargoyle thing and they knew exactly who it was talking about. Mm. But I don't think that now because yeah. of the conversation that Archie has later with this character over the phone. I, I am glad for the ambiguity. Yes. Um, as much as I always, I always have a little side eye on um, the unreliable social services narrative, mm-hmm. only because it is such a trope that I worry it is not reflective of reality. Uh, in that social services has extraordinary problems. Children move from their homes, extremely yeah. problematic. Um, there are colonial and indigenous issues, poverty class issues. Yeah. But I rarely, rarely, rarely see a show um, frame this or touch on it in a way that I uh, that does not contribute to a stereotype of avoidance or fear around social services access. Interesting. Um, rather than focusing energy on any of the much more um, very precise real-world problems, a hypothetical problem, I feel, is propped up by a lot of media that is unwilling or unable to address the nuance and, and horrors of in, in our actual uh, child care system. Um, consequentially creating a, a different unrealistic horror. Um, yeah. Yeah. I loved this bargaining scene, by the way. Sorry to, you're saying something important and interesting, but I'm just Veronica was drinking, drinking tea and looking great. I, but I loved the bargaining. Like, the bargaining yeah. that she engages in in this episode is really awesome. And then when, of course, mm-hmm. the adults backstab her because that's the only plot point this show seems to be turning on right now. <laughs> um, hiring other teenagers is fine. Mm-hmm. So how do we feel... So I like so I know nothing about gang life other than what I read in the news. I'm mm-hmm. gonna be honest about that. Mm-hmm. I'm very ignorant of how gangs work. Mm-hmm. Um, I've like I read one in-depth article about prison gangs, which is like uniquely disturbing. <laughs> um, and so I'm what I do what little I do know about gangs has been this hyperbolized like young kids behaving like warriors from the past. Yeah, this is not. This is not the serpents. Yeah. This is not Jughead serpents. This is business. This is big business gangs. Yeah. This is bribery. This is extortion. Yeah. This is um, veiled legal um, legal layers. This is tax evasion. This is yeah. um, money laundering. This yeah. is a different type of crime. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Um, and it's, I, very, it's more mafia than like Hell's Angels, I would say. Yeah. Very different gangs rooted in... Rooted in what the con- cultural divide and conflict is of Riverdale. Um, yeah. Organized crime in general is is going to exploit corruption in whatever unique form that takes in each societal model. Right? Yeah. Like, where there's poverty, organized crime will exploit poverty in the form of the serpents, in the form of low-level drug running. Where there's... Uh, where there is... Big business underregulated. Yes, some organized crime will exploit loopholes in that system. It's, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm often very pessimistic about humans, and I, 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 I try to be lovingly pessimistic and think we're always going to do the worst stuff, but we're always going to like recognize it and go, "Oops!" Eventually, 
Maybe after breaking everything. Yeah, it does seem that way. <laughs> We're very um, good at breaking our own systems. It's true. Um, I, uh, the reason I brought that up is because I feel like some of the gang activity in this is, like, not unrealistic in the sense that, mm. like, um, I feel like teenage gangs live in hyperbole. You know, yeah. like, you insult me, I shoot you. That is a huge mm-hmm. generalization. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just want to put that out there. Mm-hmm. But that does seem to be what's going on in this show. The the core of communication through threat, through violence, through um through status, through mm-hmm. through um through warnings. The, the it's it's a systemic communication system here. Yeah. This is how social power is being negotiated in in this community yeah uh, reflecting the violence that is around them um i i think that's i i think that's reasonable as far as tv hyperbole can do yeah and i think the um the the le bonui um setup of adults exploiting a young person in a financially vulnerable situation is also an, an accurate reflection of a different type of organized crime. That's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, of course, wonderful, wonderful, yeah. like, like good gravelly alto contralto voice on this woman. I loved this choice. I loved this yeah. cover. It felt... Because the adults in the show are full of talent. Yeah. Love it. It was such a cover, but I loved it. I love that Reggie was, like, so on that. Yeah, he's good at his job. Yeah, but Reggie's... also, like, the character is like, that's not polite, I'm gonna knock his teeth in. Yeah. <laughs> love it, love it, so into that. Take care, like, like stand up for Gladys Jones' reputation. Not that she needs it, but because you should. Also because she pulls knives, apparently, when yeah. threatened. So that's, you know... I hated this. <laughs> these two dudes. I just, they were great. Yep. Um, Consuelos and this other dude. I enjoyed um, hating them. They, oh my god, they were so hateable in this moment. It was awesome. <laughs> and he takes the bottle with him. Uh-huh. Just. I hope you did just get, I hope you did. I love every time. Also, Pop is in the background in a really dope suit that you don't get to see. Amazing. Why yeah. did I never notice that before? Yeah, that's a good suit. I wish we'd gotten, also, like, in Pops, focus. Also, Pops, you're so complicit with so many illegal things. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Pops, you're so just, you're on this train now. I Yeah. I want to know He had him. that one really, like, flashback Molotov cocktail scene. Like, yeah. please give us more Pops show. Please, please, Pops, please. I'm not scared by this by this character. Um, she doesn't scare me. She did kind of at the beginning, and now she doesn't. Okay, here's here's what I love about Evelyn. She doesn't scare you. She doesn't scare me. No one is immune to her propaganda. Mm, that's interesting. That is, there's, there's, um, you are not immune to propaganda is one of my favorite sayings. And I love that we're watching Kevin, our sensible, lovely best friend, our voice yeah. of reason, our um, excitable gossip. Um, I love that we're watching him fall vulnerable to propaganda, to brainwashing, alongside moments of vulnerability where Betty that Betty experiences and has an emotional reaction to. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it cannot be said enough that brainwashing, that propaganda, that that advertising 
it yeah, works, those are, sorry, even if you notice it. Distracted. Those are doll parts hanging from the ceiling. Yay. Um, I wanted to, but look, there's all these names that start with sister, yep. by the way. All the nuns. Oh, it's the nuns. It's all it's the not, dead nuns. It's not people from the, <laughs> from the farm. No. I like that they remembered the large list of dead nuns. I liked that a lot. Yeah. I don't... So weird. Yeah. <sighs> oh, this poor, this poor uh, kid who is in this horrible gang situation after his brother dies yeah. violently. Again, when are we going to see the young people on the show deal with their? Tr- I really want to see this show end with like an invasion of like social services lawyers <laughs> and like like the national guard. It's like Molly Ringwald sweeping in with the fleets of. Of crisis counselors. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When? I mean, that's its own special special pipe dream, isn't it? That there is any authority able or willing to fix any yeah. of this. <laughs> um, love the color scheme where they're wearing the same color sweater. Mm-hmm. And it's also reminiscent of, like, a, an embery fire situation. Mm-hmm. Second, um, I forgot that Evelyn had this leverage on yep. the Cooper family. Um, I like... And that Kevin knows now. Kevin's and, in play. And could tell his dad. Oh my gosh, yeah. Or tell FP. I mean, or gets to be a proper confidant for Betty again in the future when he's deprogrammed. Yeah, or <laughs> he could just have his own plot and P- Betty could be his confidant. But that I, too. Like, that, that might be, too. I might be asking too much. <laughs> do, do, do. Swedlow. Poor Betty. You like I love that all of this really justifies the action she takes at the end. Yep, yep. Yeah. That this was escalated for her. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, um, there was a teacher, not someone I had, but uh, someone a classmate of mine had at UBC, at mm-hmm. the creative writing UBC, were like <laughs> writing. Yes. Uh, writing a novel is just putting a girl up a tree, throwing rocks at her, and getting her back down. Poor Betty is being thrown rocks at so hard. So many rocks this episode. Hailing rocks. Hailing rocks. <coughs> so. Man, that kid must have felt so cool getting that little burn in the makeup chair every morning. I'm yeah. I'm really jealous of that kid. That's kind of awesome. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah. I loved the boxing scenes in this episode. Yeah. Because they were just casually there. This was just a setting. Yeah. I, I loved this as just a, one of Archie's sets. Yeah. Out of focus. Um, I would be interested in them using the boxing again. I've seen some good boxing movies in my life. I know you don't care about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah at all. <laughs> they did a boxing episode. They did a fight episode and a boxing episode this season. I, I know there's a difference, but... Yeah. Um... I, um, Rogue Goyles. Kurtz, I wonder Kurtz, how many times I had to struggle with that <laughs> line. Heckle and chuckle. Cute. Um. Yes. Oh. Tony. Yeah. Bringing the action. Tony is like the only person trying to hold things together this episode. She must be exhausted. Literally everything. Um, I love Kurtz as just this like sub-boss chaos factor. Yeah. Um, I also, like, he's he's the first creepy gang leader that has come off as broken, damaged child yeah. to me. 
I also love that they didn't like just magically catch fangs. Like they really made it look like <laughs> that hurt. Yep. Um, what was I going to say? Something uh, about coal, something about Jughead, something about the serpent. Jughead, serpent. It was a long moment with the serpents before Tony ran in and interrupted you. That's true. Oh, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I love that. <laughs> Your boy toy. It's true. It's true. Um, I really, I both like and don't like these choices for, for, um, uh, Gladys. Like, I'm not mm. really interested in, like, this, like, wild older woman who's a drunk. Like, I'm not, I'm kind of not crazy about that. Mm. But I do like that they're, um, I do like that they're giving her, like, a direct oppositional plot to Veronica. I think that's fun. Yes. I loved her in contrast to Hiram. Yeah. The levity that they are both treated this episode, to me, it, it, it gave us some permission for uh, Glass to be a bit ridiculous. Yes. Because, you know, Hiram has murdered a bunch of people. Yeah. And tried to hunt Archie down for sport and all that jazz. Yeah. And now he's goofing around over a business deal and getting angry that yeah. his daughter's ruining his conversation by... And Gladys is pulling a knife off stage. Like, this episode treated them with such ridiculous gloves that I... I didn't mind it. I didn't feel like a misuse of Gladys or un, or bad for her character because they also were playing with Hiram just as fast and and, yeah. and loose to me. Yeah. And it's not like she like um uh it's not like she's like suddenly become a drinker out of nowhere and it's like, "Oh, we're going to get a plot about alcoholism." Hush, yeah, you know. it was <clears throat> it was present flavor and um I feel like we're going to be back to high status Gladys pretty soon. Yeah, I agree. Um this was a, <laughs> I never I, really feel like she lost status, that, actually. Yeah. Hiram yeah. lost a little status comedically. No, but that's the thing he didn't. Like, that scene, mm. that, that scene with him and that dude where they're, they're being... Uh, by the way, I love this scene. I think it's great. And yep, yep, I yep. love seeing them deal with each other and Tony having power. Um, That scene yes. with Hiram and his buddy when they're making fun of Gladys. Mm. Like, that is the kind of uncaring power that, like is deeply scary to me is like mm. a lady type mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and like it's completely implacable like right. like those men retain so much status because right. they're able to make fun mm. um anyway uh and like, tony's and, hired and tony's hired anyway and so th this kind of exchange feels for some reason this feels really real to me what a payoff of these plots bouncing into each other yeah this this is this is good narrative payoff yeah this scene look at the the intersection yeah um i'm i'm so taken with alice um yeah i actually i i really feel the performance challenge challenges that uh Majinamic has been given this season i feel like they have really pushed her to who's, excel who's the anonymous buyer is it hal that's a good question. Is it? It's gonna be someone, isn't it? It's is gonna it be Hiram? someone. Is it Veronica? And what I mean, kind like, of problems is it? is it gonna cause with at the end of the episode? Yes. Yeah. yeah, like is Betty gonna get pulled into some sort of gang activity? You burnt my house down. You now owe me several million dollars. Everyone's in debt to everyone in yeah. Riverdale. Um <laughs> I liked the return to um like crime to 
to look after our own. <laughs> crime to cops, crime to cops, crime to cops. I know that, but back also forth, crime to look after our own so that you can go to college. Yes. Also, can you deputize children? I mean, not legally, but you sure can't do most of the things this show does legally. Yeah. You sure can't write your SATs with an active criminal investigation manhunt for you I and also, legal charges. I also love that the gargoyles, the new serpents, are mm-hmm. like, yeah, this is a great idea. Like, screw G&G. Bye. <laughs> Theoretically. Um, hopefully they're not lying. This circles me back to uh, a little, like, cognitive dissonance moment that I had while talking about Terry Crews earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that I'm a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but also the um, policing is a horror, a broken institution that needs a dramatic revolution or full abolition. Yeah. Those two truths, that Brooklyn Nine-Nine is fun and all cops are bad, side by side. Yeah, um, and then we get this scene of the sheriff, who is a gang leader, recruiting the gang to be sheriffs, and sheriffs and gangs being just the same basic thing. Yeah. Um, I just, just had to point that out. I think there are wonderful people and individuals involved in policing. Yeah. And that policing as a system is fundamentally broken and flawed in irreconcilable ways. Yeah. In our current society. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. a polite way of putting it. For sure. Just dropping that little radical politics yeah. mid-Archie. Yeah. Hi. Also, yeah, so I, I, I don't. Like, I, I don't know, like, if maybe they shot this, like, mm-hmm. between Monday and now. Like, that would surprise me. Mm-hmm. But, um, like, this is a very parenty scene. Like, this is something Fred should really be handling. Yes, it, it feels, it feels pointed. Yeah. That Archie is handling these dad scenes. These yeah. very significant dadding scenes. Yeah. I, um... I would be shocked if there was time to make any significant changes other than mild edits. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I see it. Yeah. As, I mean, it's possible they started shooting when Perry went into the hospital, but anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at but this important. point, speculation. Um, so this is interesting. Like, I was a little scared here, but not, like, super scared. And, like, a good creepy kid will, like, yeah. scare me, you know? I, I really, I kind of appreciated that they didn't overwork the tension in this. Oh, really? I, I liked I want, this I want, level of tension. I wanted to be scared of that kid. Mm. Um, as a, the balance of this episode, I felt that they were giving me similar levels of fear from the kid as from the farm. As, like, all the yeah. threats felt comparable. Um, to me, if the, if the kid had been leaned into any harder... I think he would have lost effect for me by being oh, overwrought. Um, oh, yeah, fair enough, yeah. But I also don't thirst for horror films. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the serpents would want to know this kid and take care of him, though, because of Joaquin. Right? Like, the fact that Jughead doesn't yeah. really clock it, and, like, Fangs and Sweepy don't really Yeah, this really is a huge failure. It. This kid would have lived at the trailer park. Yeah. Kevin would know who this kid is. Yeah. Oh, but also Archie, they're distracted. You're playing me? How? Yep. Yep. They always cut away when Archie's gored. This is how often has Archie been gored that they just cut away from? Hi, Fred. Hey, pal. And Archie gets stabbed again. I wonder if they opened up his bare wounds. No, it's too low. <laughs> it's too low. <laughs> 
What a dadly thing to say. You're not an idiot. You just like people too much. <laughs> I do love that dad response. Yeah. It is It is very people over... No, actually, he, his son just got stabbed. That's super calm. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I like how there's no dissonance of how often Archie gets mauled and stabbed in the torso, and yet we still constantly focus on his abs. Well, they, they, they've been giving him the scars. Like, the bear scars are still there. Really? Oh, yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah, they've had in them. the boxing I mean, episode last week? Yeah, he was there. Well, I just have to go back and rewatch Shirtless Archie then, don't yeah. I? Hardship. Oh, boy. Relationship conflict. Character growth. These two characters making decisions and not just being perfect because they're perfect. I like it. I'm here for it. Yeah. Now, now work it out, please. Yeah. Or, like, have an interesting breakup that allows us to, like, see two people trying to work out their stuff together. Yes. I would watch both of these characters continuing to have a relationship of some way. How would Cheryl deal with breaking up with her girlfriend, recognizing she is also housing that girlfriend? How could Cheryl... That that would be an amazing Cheryl privilege conflict. Yeah. That could show a lot of growth. Also, I love that Tony, like, knows Gladys's number. Like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. Mrs. Jones, I know you. You abandoned us. Yeah. You're not allowed in. I know who you are. And <laughs> like, she has so no problem just going toe-to-toe with the Serpent Queen. <clears throat> yeah. With well, this... she's not the Serpent Queen. I mean... Betty is, technically. <laughs> my read was that Gladys was, like, a regional Serpent Queen. Yes. Right? Because she runs... The gang over there. Yeah. Or something. Okay, Veronica, sell the speakeasy. Mm-hmm. S- like, I don't know what you should do with Pops, but sell the speakeasy. Use all that money to pay back, like, Gladys and um, uh, your dad. And then use the rest of that money for legal emancipation. Like, come on. We, we, we do need to acknowledge the fact that the speakeasy is a completely illegal business that she can't sell on books. Well, no, but... (sighs) Stop being so... Yes, you're right. Everything about the speakeasy doesn't work. So, I thought that... (laughs) It's true. Um, I thought this scene was really interesting because she's, like, flirting with the deal. You are not immune to propaganda. Yeah. Betty is vulnerable and aware and conscious and participatory and brainwashing. <laughs> I also the love force that... of will that she takes this to. <laughs> I also love that Alice is super unzen there. Like, she's just back in hardcore mom mode. Like, mm-hmm. my daughter is not cooperating. <laughs> Here are yep. your boxes. She has not learned any new coping skills at the farm. It is still Alice. This is spectacular. I love yeah. Betty's... I love this choice. I also was like, please start with the the white lady um, dream catcher in the window. Start, Everything. Set fire to that first. Everything. <laughs> <sighs> this is a really great, just Lily Reinhardt yeah. face acting shot. Yeah. Also, this is a nice, like, flip. Mm. Like, like, one house is burnt down and this house is... Yeah. Reclaimed. Reclaimed. Yeah. As sloppy as Jughead's gang leadership is... Yeah. Yeah. Jughead, come on, pal. <laughs> Just surrender the gang to Tony and go be a literary somebody in New York City. She has the ability. 
She does. You always look <gasps> terrified maybe, and scared. Maybe that's Endgame. Tony absorbs the serpents. I'm here for it. Yeah. Reabsorbs. They become, I don't know, the poison serpents? Whatever. They just... They're just the serpents. <sighs> yeah, who knows? They're Tony's the, serpents. The poison. They become the, Tony's the, serpents. The serpents? I don't know. There's no portmanteau. Go to write creative writing school, Jughead. Yeah. You don't want to run a gang. It's true, he doesn't. You're a weird, pretentious little nerd. Go get a scholarship in New York and complain about it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm confused about Archie and Betty's status in The Serpents, because they're never Mm, at the meetings, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but Archie has the tattoo and Betty is Mm -hmm. supposedly the queen. I just... They're the king's friends and nepotism reigns supreme. Not into it. Yep. Um, I liked this coming together of our big plots. Yeah. I thought this was well handled, and I loved the serene Betty who lit a fire and walked away. Without even watching it burn. Without even checking that she didn't just burn Riverdale down. She could have lit Archie's house on fire. It's true. She could have burnt down Archie's house and destroyed the half a town, but That's she's true. just that over it. She is that over it, and I- I'm into that. Me too. I'm into her being over it. Um, there we are, gang. There we are, gang. Uh, I'm going to try and press... Quiet. It doesn't matter. We can watch the credits. They can just run. <laughs> um, yeah, there were a lot of things I liked about that episode, but I like. I need I need a big shake-up. Mm. I, like, I feel like we're getting that yeah. soon. Um, the end of this episode played to me as Betty declaring war, Veronica declaring war, um, and Jughead and Archie are in a much more personal place. Um, yeah. Like, Jughead and Betty, Jughead and, Ar- and Veronica, as leaders, are both, have just made a big, bold move. Mm-hmm. Um, and thinking back to the, the mid-season hiatus, we saw them made dumb, make dumb moves in January. Yeah, that's That was true. the setup for this half season, watching them lead dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, lead badly, I should say. Uh, and we are now in a place of Archie taking personal responsibility for a child on an emotional, mature level. Yeah. From a place of being alone and miserable and not being responsible for himself. Yeah. And of course, the audience knows he's about to lose his dad. Exactly. In some Which way. is an, enti- an entirely different, yeah. unintentional conversation to be had. Do you think that they will recast? No, gosh, of course, I I would be shocked. Um, But you never know. So let's uh, let's take a moment um, before breaking into that conversation and uh, thank any of our listeners who are are ending your listening today. Yeah. Um, And now we're going to have a little conversation about um, Luke Perry and celebrity grieving and the loss of an actor. Yeah. Um, I just want to say that, like, I feel like, by all accounts, this was a good man. Yeah. Like, just, like, a good, genuine human. And I, like, could feel that in the role of Fred Andrews. Like, this was a nice man playing a nice man. Mm-hmm. I've heard nothing but positive anecdotes. Um, and importantly, he, he was a character, he was an actor who people wanted to tell anecdotes about. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the couple of folks I've spoken to who've been on set... Uh, he was the person that they thought to talk about when I asked for a story, right? Oh, that's neat. I didn't know that. Yeah, like, well, uh, when, when Nate was, when I talked to Nate about his time on the show in Lighting, for example, a Luke Perry story is what came out first. Mm. 
little things like that. Um, it does seem he was an extremely charming, uh, good person to be working with. Yeah, and I think, I think that's sort of reflected in the like unmelodramatic reaction everyone seemed to be having. Yeah, it's. In a, I'm not saying that like, I mean, obviously Luke Perry was at a level of fame that is not quite. At the same level as, like, say, um, Carrie Fisher was. Yes, it's a very different public death. Um, yeah, and it it was a, obviously it's a shock, and 52's young. Like, it's it's a full life, but it's not a complete life. Yep, an unexpected medical emergency. Yeah, and I read a lovely, speaking of celebrity grieving, I I read a lovely Mm. article about why, the, the title is something like, why, why Luke Perry's death shakes us. Hmm. And um, the writer, and I, I don't remember um, where I read it. I'm sorry. I wish I could credit, but um, uh, was reflecting on how, like, Luke Perry's sort of fans who are contemporaries are, like, mm-hmm. not that old. And it's yeah. it's probably a little rattling for people. He was know? a teen heartthrob. He yeah. was many people's first crush. Yeah. He um, held a very special role for... Uh, people perhaps a generation older than us. Yeah. And has now to many young people been uh, been introduced for several years as this quintessential dad. Yeah. Uh, a very, uh, a, a dilf kind of dad. Yeah. But also but this not... very model mold. Yeah. Not like abs dilfy, but like... Yeah. Like... Like, good, rugged, probably knows how to chop wood, Delphi. Flannel and taking care of you. Yeah. Kind of, kind of partner charm. Care of you. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. He um, had that charm to him. Yeah. Um, as a performer, as his, in his work. Um, he was also the, the father of teenagers in real life. Like, mm-hmm. the people mm-hmm. who are contemporary ages to Archie's character, not the actor, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. He just seemed like a seem like a good man and mm. i hope the show handles his death elegantly i i think it's a very difficult place for the show he's obviously such an integral character mm-hmm. um i um there's a part of me that thinks well this is endgame in, in a way um oh, I, that's I, interesting i remember other other major celebrity losses of uh properties in in in, in progress um cory monteith on glee yeah. Uh, John Ritter on uh, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter. Oh, um, yeah. Carrie Fisher during Star Wars. Um, in each case, uh, these are th- those were handled very differently by each piece. We don't know how Star Wars is going to handle it as much as that's been widely discussed. Um, in John Ritter's case, his character was uh, given a sudden a sudden passing. It, likewise, in Corey Monteith's case, um, in both cases, um, the mood and the tone of the show shifted significantly, I think, with the loss of in, in these two um, sitcom television situations mm-hmm. um, in, in a really unreconcilable way. I think the shows were forever changed. Um, however, those were literally lead characters, whereas Fred Andrews is a key supporting character whose presence is so well established <coughs> in Archie, as yeah. we saw in this episode, um, that what it will do to the the end game of the show, the dream arc. Um, and again, knowing knowing that the writers of the show are are extremely detail oriented, precise, word perfect writers. Well, 
wouldn't go that far. <laughs> no, this is this is again what I've heard from actors on sets that oh, when okay. that they are they are asked to be word perfect on their scripts. There's oh, no ad libbing. Oh, 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 oh. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Got it. That's what. Yeah. You're by by word perfect, I mean uh, I mean w- with with matters. with creative with precise creative control rather than creators who wing it and create it in editing. These are oh, pre planners. Oh, oh. I see your yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Got These, it. Okay. This is a show that is uh, long thought, long planned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. I. Yeah. I think. Um, I think you're right about a lot of the plot hinging on Fred Mm -hmm. in the sense that we've seen a lot from the parents this season about Mm -hmm. like their history at the high school and G and G and blah, blah, blah. And I think that, um, I think that those, like if those scenes, like if for some reason they decide to give Fred some sort of secret that could resolve the plot, but Mm -hmm. he's then gone. Yeah. I think that would be, come off quite cheap. Agreed, agreed, I, I agreed. don't think that would work. Um, and similarly, um, like, Molly Ringwald hasn't really been on the show that consistently. Mm-hmm. And the character hasn't really been, like, significant in any plot. And so for her to suddenly yeah. arrive in Riverdale to take care of Archie, I think, is going to be mm-hmm. weird. One of those things that feels mechanical because of show constraints. That yeah. the viewers will likely be able to read as not just because in world. Yeah. Uh, and that's always difficult to handle. Yeah. Um, so I am, I am, I am interested in seeing how that, that big challenge is dealt with in the show. Um, I, I guess there, there's a part of me that wonders if this will signal a tonal decline Yeah. in that the show will have to accommodate. And in, this is a third th- season show. The show has had three very strong, very experimental seasons. There is no shame if the fourth season starts to go into decline in a in yeah, a fresh new way. It's true. Like like every now and again, I'll see shows that are like seven seasons long. Like mm-hmm. Call the Midwife is in like almost its eighth season. Yeah, we're way past the original book it's based off of. We're yeah. way past the history and historical figures. They've retired Call the Midwife characters because the people that they're based on went off and did different things in real life. Yeah. <laughs> um. Like, I, and I think that they're like I think that um. I think that television shows that go into multiple seasons have to mm-hmm. be very special niche shows. Yeah. Like, it's impossible that every single episode of Doctor Who is good. Mm-hmm. That's literally impossible. <laughs> yes. And um, I think only really got super, like, potentially contemporary topical mm-hmm. in um, in the last few sh- like seasons, I I haven't seen a lot of Doctor Who, so I really don't know what I'm talking about. Okay, I'll I'll hold back from going into a long, precise of like here and the why and the where and the the BBC politics yes, to when when Doctor Who stuff, became relevant and when there was a showrunner change. But anyway, that's a different podcast. Okay. Um, um, and like yes, and, and like these sh- things. Sh- I'm yeah. I'm thinking particularly British shows because British mm. shows used to be very very good at calling it early. Yeah. 
and I think since the advent, honestly, of Downton Abbey, which didn't, yeah. who did, they did not know when to end that. No, they overstayed um, their welcome, uh, uh, sadly. I think, like, and, and so Sherlock ended up suffering from that, I think partly mm-hmm. because Stephen Moffat was busy writing Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And Call the Midwife now, like, I haven't seen Call the Midwife in a long time, and I loved mm-hmm. the first four seasons, like, loved them. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, all this to say is that American shows are notoriously bad, I think. Knowing when to quit. Yes. So I genuinely hope that this mm-hmm. show knows. Mm-hmm. And I, I think this show mm-hmm. has been boldly experimental enough that it has earned its flops. It yeah. has earned some of its flops yeah. and, and will hopefully recognize before it gets too entrenched yeah. when it is time. I don't know if that is yet, but I do... I, I, I think the loss of a key actor is often a triggering moment in a, a narrative shift that could signal a real show shift in the long term. Yeah. Um, I do yeah. I do kind of want to acknowledge... So, for the record, I'm not a spiritual person. I don't mm-hmm. believe in the symmetry of things. Mm-hmm. But I do notice and want to acknowledge the dramatic irony of having had Fred almost die on this show and choose to come back. Mm-hmm. There's, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think... Like, I don't think it was purposeful. I don't, like, I don't believe in, like, it was foreshadowing or anything like mm-hmm. that. It is a coincidence that becomes, act, after the fact, yeah. reflectively meaningful. Yes. The the journey that character's gone on. Yeah, and I think that's partly um, just to um, offer some of my own lived experience. Um, mm-hmm. I lost a friend in 2016, and the year before, we were all at mm-hmm. her birthday party, and watched um, an episode that she was in of Supernatural. She was mm-hmm. an actor. And um, she had, like, ten lines, maybe, but she was murdered in the episode. Mm-hmm. And so there was this feeling of, like, everyone was in the room and watched her death mm-hmm. afterwards that was yeah. um, that I felt very keenly. Mm-hmm. And I feel that, again, here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a different situation. She died in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, these these odd symmetries, I think, for fans of the show, like, if they go back and watch that episode, yeah, I think it's going to have... Like, I'll never watch that episode of Supernatural again. I just won't. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and There's a very different meaning. Because yeah. of our relationship with the actor, Luke Perry, yeah. um, in this case, you, you had a very different relationship with your friend, but yes, I, I think course. it's... It, there is weight and value in acknowledging that we have an emotional relationship with these characters. We have an emotional relationship with these actors. Yeah. That is not personal, but it is still meaningful. Yeah. Um, and I think, like, honestly, even if this show was terrible, like, it's still crappy when someone dies. Yeah, of course. Yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, anyway, um, all this to say, we'll miss him. Yeah. And we hope that the show... Um, we hope that the show manages his death yeah, elegantly. Yeah, acknowledging how difficult a, a, a task it is before yeah. them. Um, they, the team seem, the creative team seem like the mindful enough people. Yeah. To uh, to brave this challenge. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the broader um, experience of celebrity grief. Yeah. Um, and sort of put a little weight and value onto that. Um, Carrie Fisher was a huge loss for me. Yeah, um, me too. In the, in the public shared grieving way. Um, and uh, in, in the wake of her passing, I remember I did a lot of reading, a lot of research, and kind of, and a lot of thought on the, 
the experience of public grief. Hmm. Um, uh, there's a few, uh, you know, a few personal losses that have uh, contrasted for me. I've uh, uh, compared the experience of um, losing someone while being in a small, tight-knit community mm -hmm. where there is an actual shared community grief between hundreds of acquaintances. Hmm. And um, a few years ago, while I was in Japan, uh, there were two deaths in my family. Hmm. And I had the, you know, the contrasting experience from a small-town life to suddenly being alone in a foreign country, uh, grieving completely alone and isolated hmm. while doing other things. Um so kind of these these extremes of of grief and community and um in in the 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 passing of a celebrity figure of an artist of someone who's held public meaning um there is a lot of community grief there's a lot of shared grief there's a lot of grieving together um mm -hmm. and a framing that i really liked that i encountered after carrie fisher's passing is that um a lot of public grief is um can be a healthy emotional test pattern in a way hmm. that grieving publicly for a celebrity as much as it can often feel overwrought or tacky or you know so, we have a lot of emotional reactions to this um but it is it is space in public that we can as a community grieve mm -hmm. and i th and there is value in that practice hmm. in practicing grieving especially when it is not a grief that chills us to our bones, where it is a grief that ghosts an hour, our one hour a week entertainment that um, mm -hmm. reflects lightly on us with someone who we barely knew, who whose character we knew. Um, it, it can be a safer place to practice that experience of grief, our own feelings, our own, pro our own reactions, and to process our reactions in and around a community. Um, before the inevitable encounters where we will be grieving uh, more keenly and probably more alone um, or with fewer people. Hmm. The, the losses we experience in our daily lives. Um, it, it, is, it is a rare privilege that I didn't recognize until I was without it to have a community to grieve with, hmm. um, to have family to grieve with, to have friends to grieve with. And, um, I remember after, um, after Cory Monteith died, um, I, I liked Glee. I was a fan of Glee, mm -hmm. but I remember on the day he passed, two of my friends sent me a text because they knew I was a fan of the show. Hmm. Um, and they wanted to make sure I heard this news, but there was also this urgency of, I need to share this news with you and you are a person who understands this weight, who will share this emotional moment. Hmm. It was not deep, not big, not even my closest friends, but people whom I had a shared connection with. Yeah. There was a need to reach out, and it was for both of us. Mm -hmm. um, there was a, I'm worried you may be sad about this, but there was also an, I'm having a reaction, and you are in group. And yeah. will you share this reaction with me, this moment? Hmm. That's a really lovely way of framing it. And I did, I, I had a similar experience, actually. A friend of mine, kind of without explanation, just sent me an article mm. that was basically a short obit mm. of Luke Perry. He'd, I think he'd only been dead a few hours at yes. that point. Um, and I was surprised by, like, how much it affected people mm -hmm. and how much it affected me. 
Yeah. Honestly, like I, uh, unexpected deaths are just unexpected. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you do want to reach out and just kind of hold someone's hand for a hot sec, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, I I will also pause it. Um, I think that we are maybe in um, a bit of a zeitgeist in the last few years where um, celebrity deaths have aligned with a lot of other bad life stuff. The 2019... 20, uh, 2016, 2017. Yeah, the 2016, it felt like everyone was dying and then mm -hmm. Trump was president. My friend died that year. <laughs> yeah, and it is not that necessarily more people have died, but culturally, broadly, we've been really, really keenly aware of mm -hmm. a lot of big celebrity deaths the last few years. Mm -hmm. I think grieving together in the digital age um, is evolving slightly. Yeah. Um, that, I, was also, yeah. that was the year David Bowie died, and I remember people were mm. just like just devastated by that and mm -hmm. i don't get me wrong mm -hmm. like i love him yeah i love his music but the yeah like it wasn't one that touched me that way yeah um, um the big one that touched me that way was also carrie fisher mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and i i honestly like like this one touches me like mm -hmm. this one touches me because luke perry just played this sweet like good non-toxic male role model like it's yeah like it's lovely it's yeah a lovely legacy for him his last role i think it's really really sweet unproblematic straight dudes are so rare in yeah. my world it's true thank you riverdale <laughs> we have an unproblematic straight dude who loves his son mm -hmm. who cries with him who hugs him you found one and you yeah. made us like him and you gave us the good side yeah and like Kudos, Riverdale, for bringing yeah. Luke Perry back into the public view in a meaningful, significant way. What a great role. Yeah. Um, what a great legacy role for Luke Perry. Um, yeah. I'm really grateful that I uh, enjoyed his work yeah. and uh, became aware of him as an artist um, during his lifetime. Yeah. Because I, I never watched Nanatu Wano. It wasn't yeah, my television. Either. I was too young. Yeah. And I'm not sure that I'm, like, a, a beach babe kind of television show person, to be honest. What is beach? In Alberta, beach means the cold lake where we fish. <laughs> Fair well, enough. Where Grandpa fishes, and I complain because I don't like killing fish. <laughs> Fair enough. I also didn't like eating fish. I was a picky child. Fair enough. But really, like you grew fish. up in the prairies. You don't get the good fish. It's you don't true. learn to like fish. It took me so long to learn to like fish, Chloe. Sushi did it really cool yeah um i think we're gonna close but <clears throat> um see you luke perry catch you on the flip side yeah or wherever or wherever or whatever thanks gang for joining us in a, a moment of communal grief yeah as you as we will see you next week see you next week <laughs>